G'day listeners, welcome to Full Metal Movie Reviews. This week we're talking about one of the most iconic films of all time, 1984's The Karate Kid. With me to talk all things uh, the way of the crane uh, is Dave from Sydney. How are you Dave? Hey Sam, how you going? Yeah, good dude. And he's back. You loved him on his debut pod and he's back to return The Karate Kid. How are you, Ant? I'm, I'm fantastic, Sam. I'm fantastic. Listeners, last week you would have noticed that Dave went on a had a few um, sharp, poignant stabs at, uh, at at the United States of America. I just want to say Dave's views don't necessarily reflect that of the pod, and we appreciate the listeners that uh, that that reside in, in the United States. Given that the majority I, of our I listeners... I didn't have any dicks at all. <laughs> well, the majority of our just listeners... made a few observations. That's the, all. To the guys who listen to this in America, I love you. All right? You'll say number one. Let's jump into it. Karate Kid. How good is this film? Ant, I'm going to go with you straight up. Tell me, how much do you love the Karate Kid? Oh, man. Whoa, I love it, man. It, it's the best around and uh, nothing's ever going to bring it down it's it's the best movie i think of you know any stature that's got to do with karate um and i know that's a pretty low margin but no look it's it's a great film it still holds up today it's never going to get old um and it's always going to be a part of society Uh that's all i'm going to say (laughs) <laughs> okay, good night. Um, it's hard to argue any of that, man. It's I watched this, I would say, last week in preparation for this this episode, and it still holds up. It's still something you watch from beginning to end. You love it. You get pumped for that final fight. When you see that, um, is it the right leg that goes up for that for the crane kick? It's like it, yeah. it's 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 the left it's the left leg, um, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the one what? that goes up. The knee, with the knee. Is that the right one? And he kicks to the left? He's about to kick with the right, and the left one goes up. Yeah, right. Well, the whole perspective, it's all been, it's all been warped by lie. Um, Dave, <laughs> Ad, what are your initial thoughts on the Karate Kid? Well, we actually rewatched it on uh, Friday night for a bit, because uh, Ant was in town, and he stopped by. So I've seen it pretty recently. It's a good film. It's definitely very entertaining. I don't know if I'd say it still holds up, though. I think I'm, ready to, I'm ready to argue that with you, but I'll let you keep speaking. Uh, I, look, it's an enjoyable film. It's pretty awesome. Miyagi's a great character. I think the character developed for that is really awesome. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Daniel's really the greatest character of all time after watching it now. Oh, I get fucked. What do you mean? He's a jerk. It's just a jerk. He's a jerk. Nah, you see, he's not a a confusing jerk with New Jersey wisecrack or cracking. You know, Italian-American. I don't think so. Like, you can definitely see domestic violence perpetrator. The way he's just, like, so what? aggressive. Are you, are you are you all right or what? He's <laughs> just a, a jerk, man. Like, he's Dave, like, this is the 80s, He's a bit and he's a jerk. Yeah, I get it. All problems, Johnny was so- all problems are solved with violence. It's the 80s. It's how it works. Can, can I just... I just want to jump in there. It's, it's not... He's not solving the problem with violence. He's defending himself... In karate. So if you look at it, he's a hot-headed young kid like like any other teenager. And I'm not trying to get hot about this. I don't know why I'm getting upset. It's a fucking movie. But he's a hot-headed young kid, and he finds his way through karate, through, you know, a nice old man teaching him, right? He could have gone out, got a gun, you know. I'm pretty sure that would have been easy back in the day or something. Got a baseball bat and went to town on these kids. You know, at the end of the day, he decided that he was going to defend himself, and he was going to take the right step. And, yeah. He found a mentor and he got mentored. So I don't think he's going to, he didn't end up being, oh, maybe, I don't know. He didn't end up being a domestic violence case, that's for sure. Just why is he such a jerk to her? Like, to who? He's a, What's he's her name? A, I can't remember the character's we, name. Okay, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Character's so forgettable. His girlfriend. He's a jerk uh, to his girlfriend. Just... And that's why you're saying it's domestic abuse case. <laughs> I said I wouldn't have been surprised if he grew up to be a domestic abuse perpetrator. He's, he's, I mean, the he's, way he snaps at her and like out of nowhere, he's just like, fuck you then. But he doesn't say out fuck of nowhere. you. Don't tell me she deserved it. No, <laughs> she didn't deserve You're it. You're start playing <laughs> down that route. No, no, they no, never no, no, deserve listen. it, all right? Far no, out. He didn't. Hey, I never said that. Don't put words in my mouth. But <laughs> he gets beat up every day, man. If you got beat up every day, would you just be smiley go lucky about it? Hey, you're going to have a bit of a short temper, surely. Yeah, but to the guys that are doing the beating, nah, not on. to like girl that's being like the you know pretty nice to me, chilling out, trying to help. Tries to do the jerk shit to Miyagi too. He's like, "Oh, well, thanks for nothing, man. Don't help me out at all. You're a fucking waste of space." And then Miyagi's like, "All right, I'll train you." <laughs> okay, well, back up a sec. He meets. He's new in town. He has no friends. He hates. He hates the fact that he's had to uproot his life. To, to be honest, an extremely negligent mother, who hasn't <laughs> basically the worst parenting skills ever. Drops what him off. Drops him off in LA. 
Anth loves her. He thinks she was amazing. He said <laughs> she's twice amazing. during the viewing. She's she amazing. Great she, she's amazing because she doesn't do anything and lets him just live his life. Like if if any of us came home to our one of our mums with a black eye, hundred percent our mums would be on the phone. He fell off school. a bike, man. He fell mm. off a bike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, let's not go. That what I'm trying to say is she was concerned. She <laughs> okay. Yeah, she was. She, he, the kids bullied. Incessantly, because he thinks he makes a connection with someone, he loses his new friends. This girl, every time he sees her, he's happy to see her, but then it comes with this baggage of these five or six guys that just want to beat the shit out of him, and then they do beat the shit out of him. And like any young, hot-blooded male, he retaliates when he can, and eventually just grinds him down. Where he kind of like, you know what, you gotta, you gotta leave me alone because I'm sick of like just dealing with the baggage you come with, which is fine. He's not. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, but where did the the weird, like, rich two different worlds thing come from as well? Like, that's just someone that that, that screams insecurity about themselves. She never, ever alluded to the fact that his family were poor. That was completely, like, brought upon himself. Well, well, actually, it was brought brought upon his friends because first, in the very first, not the very first scene, but the the opening scene at the beach where they're playing kickball, um, he said, who's that? And they said, the hills, right? So it's already been established that she's rich. Then when he goes to pick her up um, for the date, the snobby parents that are dressed perfectly for that role, I might add, totally brought him down. So it was brought, it wasn't brought on by down? her. They asked him, oh, oh yeah, the, where you live. Like, it was the, gen- the general, Yeah, but then when he rocked up in his poor car and everything, the general consensus, Dave, <laughs> is that whole scene. That whole scene was to establish that she's rich as hell, he's not. And that her parents would rather that she was with yep. um, Johnny, yeah. yep. right? She, so call, she calls him out on it and says, you care more about that than what I do. And she's exactly, 100% yeah. right. Yeah, she is, but it's what oh, he whoa, whoa, perceived whoa. from all these other people. Whoa. Whoa. You forget thing. You forget that there's a sequel to this film. And she does dump him for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, wait. let's get into the sequel <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true, though. That's true, but that quarterback was very hot, apparently. And probably, probably in the rich side of town <laughs> From as well. the hills. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, my point <laughs> is Daniel is justified in his anger with his situation given that yeah. his only real connection in his new hometown is with a six-year-old Japanese expat. Six-year-old. 60. Oh. Is he 60 or 50? I don't know. He's, it's, I don't know. He fought in World War II, so I assume 60, but whatever. Anyway. 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 So Dave, we we, re- we really went like off. Shitting point. on it, man. I, I still think it's a good movie. Like I still think it's a good movie. I think like Miyagi as a character is awesome. The way they sort of get insights into him as the film goes on, you know, and you like you hear that heavy shit about when he the uh, reminisces about losing his wife and um, son, and then character sort of like the the way they focus on his relationship with Daniel and the fact that Daniel doesn't have a father figure. And Miyagi references his own man a few times. And it's like you obviously get the impression that this is a sort of uh, mentor slash father figure Daniel's been missing out on. So don't get me wrong. It's a good film. Just uh, just trailing back, back, Dave, on on that scene. Did you think, because uh, when that film was getting made, uh, they wanted to cut that scene out. Not not the the makers of the movie, but the producers, um, you know, the the executive office or whatever. They wanted to cut that scene out because they felt... That that slowed down the movie. You've obviously watched it as many times as I have, which is a lot, and that's one of my favourite scenes. Did you feel that that slowed down the movie? Did you think it could be removed, or did you think it was a vital part? Uh, I thought it was a pretty vital part because it really it fleshed the character out, and it doesn't it doesn't slow the movie down. I think it's actually really well placed because yeah. the movie goes at a pretty good like a pretty quick pace, and to have a few moments to reflect on the characters. Because now, like, it kind of puts Daniel's problems into perspective as well. Because then, mm. you know, all of a sudden he's hearing this and you can see, like, good old Ralph Macho there. It sort of dawns on him that, you know, that's some pretty heavy shit and that Miyagi's been through the shit. One of the things that I think this film does superbly is give us one of the best... I don't know, if it's not really a montage, but it's like a, an extended montage where you kind of see his development post the whole breakdown of, you know, you're just getting me to do chores and he's like, sweep the floor. Uh, was he paint the floor, paint the fence, whatever. And then it wax on, wax off. And after that, you see him on the boat fishing and he's te- teaching him how to be, you know, get his balance and stuff. And the, one of my favorite scenes is when he's on the beach on those 
poles with a sunset and he's just doing the crane kick. How epic is that? Just for, as a piece of cinematography, how timeless is that visual? Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it'll never leave my memory. That's, it's a beautiful scene. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. One of the um, things I, I want to I want to ask you is a man who stu- studied martial arts. And, uh, sorry, what did you study again? Is it- so I studied the art of uh, Subak-do, which, well, actually, I studied Murakwan, uh, which spawns Subak-do, Tungsudo. So I'm a second damn black belt in the art of Murakwan. So any Taekwondo, Tungsudo, or Subak-do that is still under the Murakwan banner, I'm a second damn black belt. Anything else, I'm just a, you know, chump. <laughs> now, so that's it's like a variant of karate or a variant of taekwondo. It's it's actually uh, okay. It's not a variant. It's a variant of taekwondo, um, yeah. but it's where taekwondo originated from. You can say it's the originator, and taekwondo is a variant of that. Okay, sweet. So one of my questions to you Anth, was Miyagi just being a jerk with the with, with the training schedule. <laughs> well, he probably just needed some work done around the house, and he um, thought of a way he could get a few karate lessons out of it. Um, no, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't a jerk. Um, that style there is a very, you know, that, look, it's a, it's a traditional way of teaching somebody something as a way to get them strong really fast. You um, know, I've been known, I've been known your, to do. Sorry, is, has your sensei ever a Meiji paint his fence, wax on or wax off his car, um, or sand the floor? <laughs> Uh, I've had to sweep the floor. Um, I've never had to sand the floor, no. <laughs> I do know, however, I do know, however, and I will not mention any names in case they listen to this podcast, um, but the martial arts club down the road for me does get his students to regularly uh, paint his uh, his uh, dojang. That's what we call it in Korean. So so that that's a regular thing. Um, yeah, look, to answer your question, without trying to defend the guy, I think he just needs some chores done around the house. But anyway. <laughs> Because I was thinking, right, at some stage, he's going to have to realize that Daniel's going to get pissed off from fundamentally just what it's looked like to doing chores. So wouldn't it be be a better better coaching technique just to say, look, this is going to teach you a sort of like a, 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 I don't know, a a blocking move, you know, paying the fence as a type of block, you know, uh, you know. Like teach him like that straight up and then go, go, and the way we're going to practice is, you're going to do it. So just on that, um, the whole point of martial arts is nothing comes to you instantly. Every lesson you learn after, you learn the basics. So you always fall back to those basics. So I can see it as a martial artist there where Daniel son is learning. He's learning the patience that comes with karate and, um, and um, you know, weird techniques to teach him. Sure, but hey, you saw the movie, it worked. And we all know films don't lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? You can't argue with results, all right? The proof is in the pudding. Dave, do you have any comments on the, whether Miyagi was a jerk with his training tactics or techniques? Nah, I think it's pretty, you know, guy needed to get some chores done. But at the same time, um, I think the basic premise of what he was doing was two things, pretty much all just to echo exactly what Ant said teaching patience and trust because you know he goes on about the whole bond thing between a student and a teacher basically don't question what i tell you and just do exactly what i say and commit because he wants him to commit he's building a bit of discipline and just the repetition of the action so the action becomes second nature the only way you can do that is if you do the exact same action over and over and over and over again because you gotta remember he only had eight weeks to teach him in eight weeks it's gonna be pretty hard to teach someone fundamentals of a martial art to then go on and win a tournament well he had some experience i think he did karate back in new jersey at the y as he said or in queens or wherever he's from he took like two lessons and he was doing kicks out of a book like yeah but uh, everyone knows how to punch and how to kick and you can teach that in a second it's all that other stuff that's important and to dave's point he only had eight weeks so what better way to build muscles than some old school Manual labor. Good point. Guys, now we're going to go to the other side of the coin. We're going to go look at the Cobra Kai, right? And when, uh, I'm going to ask you guys, do you think um, John Kreese's uh, techniques of uh, no fear in this dojo, do you think that was appropriate sort of uh, mythology? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, look, yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been taught by um, military-style martial arts instructors um, who may have watched The Karate Kid or not. I'm not sure and decided to take the, no, the Cobra Kai approach. 
And it's very much like that. However, we're not, you know, beating each other up and like killing each other in the class. Um, but it's very much what you see in that, you know, those brief scenes is what you get. So um, his approach, yeah, it's, it's very standard stuff. But I think he was a bit insane as well. Maybe the war got to him, mate. Maybe the war got to him. It was one thing you can't deny, though, that the Cobra Kai uniforms are on point. On point. Yeah, they're killer. And if, and if there's one gi that I would want to wear, it's that one. The sleeveless gi. How 80s is that with the Cobra on the back? Sweet. Sweet. You know, Anf, I can see Dave being a Cobra Kai in his youth. Just like a total jerk. Just like gone around and he's like BMX and just pushing kids over. <laughs> well, it would have been a BMX. It was a trail bike for starters. No, but so, I'm just... You would have been... Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you and your mates just like learning a few kicks and just like using them on people as soon as you learn them. Why? why? Well, I'm the nicest guy in New South Wales. Because I can just, I can nah, just you... imagine... Because you got blonde hair, Dave, and every one of the Cobra Kai guys, one of the uh, things they needed to have was blonde hair. You're automatically, you're Cobra racist, Kai. To be honest, did you guys? Did you see Dutch? So Dutch was one of the Cobra Kai guys. Um, it was, a, it was he, I was telling you about him, um, McQueen's son. Uh, I've just got his name up, Chad McQueen. Um, so he was a Cobra Kai guy who really had real mustard style hair. So they wouldn't have him as a brunette; they had to blonde it. So the, unfortunately, they couldn't get a blonde. So you see that Cobra Kai guy with real mustard hair. There's a bit of trivia for you. That's because that's what happens when you try and uh, lighten up someone with really dark brunette style hair. Yeah, huh. right. Not only does he drop karate knowledge, he drops in hairstyle tips. Nice. Nice. Now, here's another thing. Man. I'm sorry that I'm talking about karate and probably not, not as much as the karate movie, but how come surely, surely Mr. Miyagi knows that belts exist, right? Or, or do they not wear those in Japan when they practice karate? So, like, you know how he goes to the, the tournament and he doesn't have a black belt, so he has to steal it. Wouldn't he know that you need a belt? I'll, I'll drop some history on you. Um, it, look, in my style of martial art, uh, originally there was one belt, and that was your white belt. And the white belt only gets, uh, as you grade, it's because it gets dirtier. And then when it's so freaking filthy, because you're not allowed to wash your belt, otherwise you wash all the knowledge off. Um, that's when you get your black belt. So, and it's a family style karate that was passed down from his father. So he probably just didn't believe in belts. He probably just believed that karate is a way of life. And you, you know, in, in, uh, Okinawa, people do two things, uh, karate and fish. So it's probably just a way, way of life. They train every day and they don't worry about belts. So they're training from birth to they die. What's the point in having a belt? Fuck, insights. That's why we got him on. Dropping knowledge. I never thought about that. Here's another thing though, I want to put, run past you. Daniel-san, as a, I guess, as a reward for being a good student and helping uh, Mr. Miyagi, I guess it's a, kind of like a two-way street. Help Mr. Miyagi connect with someone as well as Daniel can connect with him. He gets a choice of one of the cars. So earlier I asked if you thought Mr. Miyagi was being a jerk, but then if he was always going to give him, or well, if there was... The payoff of a car. Do you reckon he was too generous? Because that car would have been worth a lot of money. <laughs> that was a 50s car. So back then in the 80s, it would have been worth at least 30, 30 grand or whatever. To a poor boy like Daniel, that's that's cash. That's bank. Um, well, he's, that, like Dave said, he's known for eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's his birthday present, I guess. <laughs> and Miyagi just has him sitting there doing nothing. Maybe maybe he wants to avoid a lawsuit later on. So he's like, okay, I'm going to screw this kid's back and wrist and everything. So I'll just give him a car just to compensate. I don't know. Uh, that was a joke. What car would you take? Um, honestly, I didn't really pay attention to what was there. But he Miyagi himself was driving around a pretty cool pickup truck. So I probably would have just said, I'll just take your truck. I knew you were going to say that. Why? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm the common man, Sam. Come on. You know me. I'm not about flash. I'm about practicality. You know, I could put stuff in the back, you know, drive around. It'd be great. <laughs> Dave, what car would you take? That's a tough question. That's actually really tough. The yellow one, the black one, or the, or the station wagon? I'm surprised you passed up the station wagon, Ant. <laughs> yeah, well, I want the pickup. <laughs> Fair enough. You're the shittiest, oldest car. Actually, I would have gone the convertible. I would have gone the convertible. I would have gone the black one. I would have gone the black one. I wish I knew what the models were. I actually do have to go check that again because every time I watch that movie, I'm always like, fuck, I wonder which models of car those are. Well, you know what, Dave? 
you're in luck because it's 2017, 18, sorry, and we got the magic of the internet. So let's Google this. What cars does Miyagi have in Karate Kid? Let's have a look. I'm sure this is making great radio. <laughs> Should we go back to arguing about how Daniel son going to perpetrate domestic violence? Well, we've got three hits here. I'm doing a Bill Burr, an homage to Bill Burr when I look stuff shit up off the uh, internet. Oh, it's just giving yeah, me facts. Yeah, but you're doing a lot more success than him. Oh, right, Miyagi. Okay, so it's a... Oh, that's a, the car he takes is a 1948 Ford Super Deluxe Club Convertible. So it's a Ford. Nice. And I'm going to look up how much they cost. Actually, funny story. Ralph Macchio still has that car. Really? Yeah. Or at least he still had the car um, when he did the audio commentary, which would have been just before Pat Morita's death, around yeah. 2004. Yeah. I'm pretty sure other interviews you've stated he still had that car. So find out, and then maybe we'll email Ralph and just say, "Hey, where's my car?" It's that yellow one is thirty-nine thousand nine hundred USD. So that's about eighty eighty k here AUD. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Way less, so twenty percent more. Oh, why? Wow. What's what's the what's the conversion? Isn't it eighty cents? Oh, there you go. I didn't know last that last week. It was like. 70, uh, yes, between 79 and 80, did it hit 80? Yeah. So well, there you go. There you go, Dave. You can own it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Investigate that. I'll see if Ralph uh, is in need of some cash. One of, the, one of the other things I really like about this film is the soundtrack. So the soundtrack is has got some pretty iconic um, theme songs, I guess you'd say. The first one I really like is obviously, what's that one? Young Hearts, whatever that one is. That's an epic 80s tune. And then there's obviously the best, you're the best around. That's that's probably one of the most iconic 80s tunes of all time. Gents, how does this rank on your personal favorite lists of movie soundtracks? Is it up there? Yeah, I would say it's up there. It's um, it's up there with uh, some greats like Rocky, uh, especially uh, the later on Rockies where the music just got real 80s. But yeah, it's up there. I think maybe for me it'd be for single tracks. Yeah, it'd be. Uh... I'd say the franchise, if you looked at it from a franchise level, the franchise puts out top five. Because Karate Kid 2 soundtrack's pretty awesome as well. So I'd say that. I still, I don't like, I don't think it beats Lost Boys, which was basically just a music video. But yeah, that, that, that song was pretty killer. But, um, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's definitely up there. What about the actual theme song with the, um, the pan flute and the, and the, the slow mentally? I That's think that the, um, the sorry the score itself that that what you were just talking about that really matched because the whole film I think the focus is way too much on the karate um, and people don't actually realize just how beautifully shot the whole entire movie is and then that little pan flute and everything just adds to that surroundings it's really a great film uh, cinematography wise as well as uh, soundtrack and you know audio wise as well when a man's right he's right and uh, you've never been more right in your life. Fact. <laughs> Thanks, man. Very rarely do you get a film where all the moving parts just click. The casting is on point. The script is on point and, near f- and it's near flawless. I mean, there's, there's, I can't think of any plot holes or any um, questionable decision-making by the characters. Um, the, the the main character earns has to earn that payoff at the end, and he does. He does. And then at the very end, it, just, it, it, it ends very just... Almost poetic. He he gets, he I mean he, he gets the girl, which I guess he always had. He never lost really, but he, he gets that satisfaction of um, when Miyagi says, um, you know, you don't have to fight anymore. You're even. He goes, no, I'm not going to be even with me, and I know that they're always going to have one over me. But he gets that. He gets to be even. Ant. He gets that final, just that sense of, all right, this thing's been put to bed. It's done. And you don't think for a kids' film, which is, is kind of is, is it is a, it's a it's a sweet movie, but it is kind of perhaps maybe targeted for young adults. You don't really, very rarely, do you get something that has such a just a generally cool message about perseverance and you know putting in the hours to come out on top. Which is uh, exactly my previous point at the very beginning when we uh, all started going at each other's necks. Um, was that this film uh, holds up today, and I don't mean in a fashion standpoint or. You know, uh, just just by what everyone's wearing and what they're saying. I mean, it holds up because the themes are relatable no matter what. You can watch this movie as uh, as a kid, and you can relate to it. You can watch it as a young adult, relate to it. You can watch it as an adult with your kids, and you can relate. There's always some sort of uh, without getting too deep. There's a meaning that anyone can take out of this movie, 
and it's going to be relatable uh, to the uh, well, at least to, well after I'm dead, at least. Can I? I just want to say one thing about questionable choices. Yeah, here we Who go. the fuck, <laughs> right? <laughs> thought it would be a great idea for the mum to become a restaurant manager because her job in computers didn't pay well enough. <laughs> like, I don't know that 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 probably doesn't hold up that well because, like, if there's one thing that Wait, people wouldn't be doing, huh? it would be leaving their job in computers. It's, it's funny be, they um, actually. They actually brought that up in the audio commentary as well. It's like they don't even know why. Like, like they, they don't even. They like it's just like I don't know. They're filming it at the restaurant, and then all of a sudden she's a manager of the restaurant and manager of the restaurant, or going to be training to be the manager of the restaurant. So really, she's just like front of house or something. And yeah. they're like, we don't even know why this has happened. Like Ralph Macchio didn't even know why. Like it just all of a sudden it happened. So I think it was just an oversight in the filmmaking. Because let's face it. You know, she's a character. She's a great character, and I love her to bits. But you know, she's very much push aside, and then yeah. come the sequels onwards. Yeah. She's um. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't, I, I completely forgot that it even happened. But I don't think anyone else cared about <laughs> that. What does they cared about her? But it's quite clearly like the focus is more on on the on the, on the trajectory of Daniel Sun. So, I mean, if you want to. Okay, yeah, that might be. Oh, I know, I it know, might be know. a plot flaw, but you know. I just thought it was funny. It's just it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a film. It's just like that whole Dave. Um, just that sequence. Apparently, Steve yeah. Jobs was a jerk, and he didn't pay his employees all that well. So that's probably why. Uh, that's probably. Yeah, that. <laughs> and, and and back then, what is a job in computers anyway? Just like was it, that, that'd be the equivalent to operating the freaking fax machine or something, wouldn't it? Ah, oh, it would be like. Go get some more memory or something, and you have to literally cut in fifty kilos worth of fucking five megabytes or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Because I don't think even I don't know if personal computing was a thing or was mainstream. When did the Apple II come out? That might have came out around that time. I don't know. We digress, gentlemen. We digress. All right. So for those who haven't seen this film, shame on you, but. Basically, what the, the basic plot is is that this kid moves to LA, doesn't make friends, gets bullied. Um, he gets bullied pretty incessantly and gets beat up quite a lot uh, to the point where he makes friends with his uh, apartment's groundskeeper or I guess you'd call it property man, um, maintenance guy. Turns out he's, he's, his name's uh, Mr. Miyagi. Turns out he's a karate uh, expert and that these bullies also do karate in a dojo in town and Mr. Miyagi makes a deal with the um, the bullies uh, sensei that you leave Daniel-san alone up until the karate tournament. That's the under-18s All-Valley All Valley Karate Tournament or Championship. At that point, we'll fight and whoever wins, wins. So let's get to it. The under-18s All-Valley Championship. Ant, you've been in uh, karate tournaments. you fought in karate tournaments. I've seen you knock out people in karate tournaments. How the One hell does that? Yeah. How does how the hell does that karate championship get so many people in attendance? And where the hell do they get their <laughs> marketing budget from? Hey, 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 hey. look, um, the karate uh, tournaments. The, the couple I've been in, uh, we've had a fairly big crowd. You know, there's, there's been at least ten people around when I've been uh, doing my thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a big thing in the valley. You know, uh, and uh, I, I got no actual answer to your question, mate. Next one, move on. <laughs> but that's, that's the one thing that probably takes me out of this film a bit is that that sort of stage I mean granted it's probably only like 2,000 people right but the way they, that, they, that it's, it's almost like they got the marketing of like MMA because like when you karate, look at M karate MMA karate tournaments used to be big karate tournaments used to be big Sam back um, back in the day it used to be big because you got to remember too there wasn't that many schools like there are now um, MMA wasn't a thing um at the time karate was big in the 80s it, it it hit a boom around that time as well um so you know everyone wanted to do it and there was limited places they could do it so the tournaments were big so it's not too far out to think that a karate tournament could bring that many people because you have you have that many people in attendance plus their families watching so i yeah i i think that's yeah you know, it's realistic I mean, it was not realistic now in this day and age and around our town, but, you know, it is realistic for that time. Mm, okay. I guess nobody Back. has iPads. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Dave, would you attend the under-18s All-Valley <laughs> Karate Championship? Uh, yeah, I would actually. 
hundred percent. Seemed like a pretty there's some pretty solid hits that happened there, and you know, it's, I mean, I think I'd rather see the Old Valley uh, like open adult comp, but I'm sure the under 18s would be just as good. Um. Okay, so in this championship, Daniel makes his way through various opponents, and he gets to. I think he defeats three Cobra Kai's on the way to fighting John, or was it only two? I can't remember. He, he defeats. He defeats three, um, but one was a dis- disqualification for the leg injury. No, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's there. We. So in, in the final fight, um, it's pretty hard, obviously, to build suspense because it's not like Rocky where you've got fifteen rounds and you can t- kind of tell a story within the fight about you know the momentum of uh, Creed winning certain rounds and Rocky coming back with other rounds and having a finish of Rocky really driving it home. It's it's literally you know uh, three points and that's it. So obviously I think what they did really well and exceptionally well was by giving him that injury, it heightens the stakes a lot that he's got he's got he's fighting against a very intelligent opponent and he's also got hampered by hamstring injury. So he's like he's he's they double down on the underdog stakes and I love it. I love it. He's he's twice yeah. the underdog, but yeah. Well, if you go on, no, no, sorry, I was going to know what you going to say. I was just going to say, if you look at the fight, um, you were right. It's really hard to tell a story, but forget that it's uh, multiple different people. But if you combine that, uh, the entire, you know, the entire all the opponents that he had, if you combine them all into one, make them one opponent, that's the story. So it's the story of him building his confidence. Um, with each passing fight, he does get injuries along the way with his rib cage and obviously the leg and everything like that, which then all leads to that final fight, which is another reason why it, yes, it was a montage, but it was a longer montage as well because you see Daniel's progression through the fights, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. I mean, with the final fight, though, the only thing that ever really confused me, it still confused me to this day, is why, why, because Daniel San goes to zip up against uh, Johnny. And then Johnny comes back, but then Johnny tags him on the ground, but then that's not considered a point. Is that right? <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. Because uh, they state the rules at the beginning that a hit to the chest is a point. So I would have thought he lost. So the rules in the Old Valley under-18s tournament is light contact is um, acceptable. So it might have been deemed as unnecessary physical contact, um, so that that could be why uh, it might have not been clean. So that that's another reason. Um, but funny thing, you mentioned that, and this has been a big debate online. Is that they also state that shots to the head are not a point. So think about that for a minute. <laughs> how does he win? What? Then? What? <laughs> how did he win? <laughs> so you know, so that's um, yeah. Oh, however, shit. however. Oh when, I was fight, when I right. was fighting, Dave's right. This has got plot holes everywhere. This whole thing's plot coming holes apart. Everywhere. Um, <laughs> when I look, when I was fighting um, in these tournaments, it, it's specifically non-contact, light contact. You know, was whatever. Um, however, if you did make contact and it was controlled contact, and it's because the other guy kind of, as I said, he did ran into my foot. Um, though you know, whatever. I guess that you could deem that as uh, Johnny ran into his foot, but you know, yeah, it's a, it's pretty. I think you just need to look past that stuff, mate, and just enjoy the, enjoy the soundtrack. Yeah, it, 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 that always confused me because it's like that's not clean contact. But then he does lunge into it, and he waits for him to attack. And he said, well, "Yeah, if you do it properly, there is no defense because I guess the kick comes up from the opposite leg." So my question, following on from that, so Mr. Maggie said there is no defense from this kick. Could you defend that kick, Hans? Yeah, hands down. <laughs> it's a jumping front kick. It's a fucking jumping front kick. Not only that, but he leaves himself exposed. Like, his head, his his chest, everything's exposed, and he's injured. He's on one leg. Uh, I, yeah, I could defend that. If you watch part watch part two, um, you would know exactly how I would defend that. So, mm, mm, Interesting, interesting. Uh, Dave. Johnny's um, just sit. Yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe he just had the emotion, the adrenaline. Um, Dave, what, would you, what did you make of the final fight between uh, Daniel San and the Cobra Kai? Um, oh, that was a good fight. It seemed it was pretty. I don't know. I think all the fights are pretty well choreographed, and I think um, the good thing about it was that everyone, like the kids' energy levels, are really intense. Like, I don't know if you notice, like they're really bouncing on the balls of their feet. Like they're really ready to go at it. Um, just pretty cool. 
Oh yeah, so, there's that one guy. Um, fuck, he's like he's got the gi and he's rolled up his sleeves. He's got the black hair. He's white gi and he's rolled up the sleeves and he's just like bouncing around like anything. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, a lot of energy. Like, uh, were you were you talking about the Asian guy then, Sam? Were you talking about the Asian guy? Roll uh, up yeah, his sleeves, yeah. he's just bouncing around. Yeah, yeah. I'll let Dave finish his little bit and I'll tell you why that's important in a minute. Oh no, I'm done. Go for it. Uh, that's Miyagi. So you know the scene you were talking about earlier um, when Miyagi's on the uh, the little pillars and he's doing the crane thing with the sunset. Yep, that's yep. the guy. Yeah, that that's the guy um, that did that. That's his stunt double. No shit, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a freaking film nerd, right? So you know, yeah, but yeah, that's it. Fuck, that's the guy. Insights, insights, left, front, center. This is why we got him on board, listeners. Um, that's pretty cool. He because he comes. Uh, he's in the sec- he's in the other semifinal against um, isn't he against the other Daniel? Yeah, yeah against he, no against um, yeah he's John, against uh, John, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no shit. Actually, one of the things that I don't that never actually made sense now that I think about it as well is you know that guy that says put him in a body bag. <laughs> isn't he the same guy that apologizes to Daniel for, for having swept his leg? No, just mo- he's not. No, he's not. So the guy that swept his leg isn't actually there in the. Uh, final fight I don't believe mm. I'm, I'm actually watching the final fight right now as we're doing this <laughs> podcast because I'm trying to figure out what you were talking about before with the um, the point for Johnny mm. but yeah so he he's not in there anymore um, yeah to answer your question well that makes sense <sighs> that's pretty interesting that's pretty interesting Look, ultimately, like as you said, this film is timeless. It's it's just classic. It's a it's a it's a, it's a sweet film. They did remake this uh, back in was it two thousand two with with Jackie Chan and uh, Jaden Smith. Oh, twenty ten. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, sorry. Way off. <laughs> um, now I've never seen the remake, but you know, didn't get. It wasn't well received. Is the is the remake that they did? Why did that flop? If this was pretty much a pretty timeless story. Yeah. Okay, in so your it wasn't opinion. It was a hit to a ribs, but he wasn't able to defend himself at the time. That's why it wasn't a point. Um, because it was, it was <laughs> Bullshit. Un- Johnny should have won. Johnny should have won, yeah. Uh, it's unrealistic, Sam. That The Karate Kid or the Kung Fu Kid, um, and I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan, so I do own this movie, um, and I do just fast-forward it whenever I watch it. I'm watching it in a while just for Jackie. But um, it's, it's unrealistic. Oh, I remember now. And let's face it, you know, kids, it's easier for kids to say, wax on, wax off, right? And it's easy for adults to tell a kid, wax on, wax off. But then all of a sudden, if adults are telling kids, jack it on, jack it off, you're going to get arrested. So I just think that the movie itself... <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. That was the thing. Jack so it off? You have, jack, jack it, it on. off? Jack it on, jack it off. That's what Jackie Chan Jesus was Christ. telling young 10-year-old Jaden Smith. That was his wax on, wax off. So he would put his jacket on the pole, which would bring his hands up, um, and then in a defensive motion, then it would be jack it off, and I believe he'd bring his head down and uh, knee him in the face. So that would be, you know, that's, that was his thing. However, you can't really say that, you know, Right now, with well, without laughing your ass off, can you? Jesus no. Christ, no, you can't. No, but but forget that for a minute. The whole movie itself is unrealistic. It's you know, it's about ten year old kids pretty much trying to kill each other. Um, and you, you, it's a rehash of of the same story that kids to this day are still watching. So it's nothing really new for them. That's why I believe it was a flop. It was also pretty boring. Oh, you see it too, Dave. Yeah, I have unfortunately seen that film. It was it's one of the worst films I've seen. Like it's Ooh. just terrible. Like the whole thing. Um the kids were way too young. Yeah, it didn't really make sense that at all that storyline. Um it, it wasn't it? I, I don't know, yeah, and I don't know why they did call it like why they didn't try and like if you're going to just it should have been called Kung Fu Kid and it should have been just maybe a completely different story altogether. Um, mm-hmm. Don't try and rehash because it's not going to work, especially like that type of story. Um, it was just—I'm actually lost for words how bad that movie is. I hate that movie. Like I don't really it, understand how much I hate that movie. Is it? A, it I think it was a vanity. It was a vanity project for Will Smith to get a, a, a job or to, to have something for his son to be in. Pretty it, sure. It would have to be. It has to be. Because it, it makes... It's just ridiculous. Like, but And again, I know it's probably going to sound like I'm shitting on Americans again, but I'm really not. But like, 
like any middle class American family, is going to up and move to fucking China, right? To restart their life. It makes no sense. Like, it's just, it, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It's just, yeah. it's just shit. It's a shit movie, and yeah, the Jaden kid was an absolute. He was annoying. There's a lot of reasons why it wasn't as popular as Sam, and like we could do a whole podcast onto the failures of that movie. The failures of that movie. You know what? We could do a "How Did This Get Made" episode on on the Karate Kid. Um. All right, guys. So the Karate Kid. It's, it was mega mega hit. I think it was made for like. I don't know, whatever, ten million, and and made ninety million at the box office, and that's eighties dollars. So massive bank. Spawned two sequels: Karate Kid Part Two, Karate Kid Part Three. Out of the saga, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll, we'll worry about reviewing Karate Kid Two, two and Three in, in separate um, podcast episodes. You never know; we may do if we get if we run out of ideas or movies to watch. But out of the three films, um, which one is your favorite? Sentimental favorite, or just whatever favorite, um, Anth. Just just before you answer that, Anth, can I ask when you say that it only spawned two sequels, are you forgetting about? Oh, don't you're <laughs> just about to take away my punchline, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the, the hey, totally ignoring that. <laughs> Hillary Swank, all right, she, she did a good, she did a good job, all right. I, and I, that was look, my favorite Karate Kid. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> look, that one was better than Jaden Smith. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to be um, sexist and say, oh, Karate Kid can't be female. I generally forgot about I've only ever seen that movie once. I generally forgot about that one. Shit. Um, okay, apologies, though. Okay, let's include it. We're inclusive here. And out of your four Karate Kid films, which one is your favorite? Um, well, I was joking before because that film, uh, it was the shits. Um, yeah, part one. Part one's my favourite. Then two and then three in that order. And Dave? Um, I might, I don't know if I'm going to sound contrarian here, but I actually, I think two is better than one as an overall film in its epicness as well. Um, it's one of the few times a sequel is, I guess, better than the um, preceding film. So I'm going to actually, yeah, I'm going to go two and then one. Three I've only ever seen. I think I've seen twice. It was always a bit weird, that one to me, because two was such a good film. So it never seemed like they were ever going to be able to follow up two very well. So I was just like, eh. No. Dave, guess what? what? You're not contrarian here because I, I agree with you. I reckon two is the, is the superior film. And, but I don't think you can't, you can't enjoy two without having gone through that journey of one. So it's almost like it elevates it because it, it, it goes, there's one quote in that film where Miyagi goes, this one, this time, this fight's not for points, it's for life. Yeah. And he's, and, and he's doing that. He's got that special drum technique. He's, he's in that um, setting of the castle, epic fight. It's fucking amazing. It's an amazing film. Um, what, one of my favorite parts is the, um, I guess, learning about Miyagi um, through others, how others see him. So he, you just learn that this guy was always on the up and up, and he always had he always had respect for his fam, family and his friends, and he didn't want to bring shame on Sato, so he had to leave. So it's like even though his friend was kind of being a dick, dick well, was a dick to him. He just, you know, to 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 keep his honor, he left, or Sato's honor, he's left. So I just feel like the because the, the stakes get elevated to literally a life or death situation, it it is just it brings that it just makes it for me all the more enjoyable. Part three, now. Part three is a good film if it was a sequel to part. One, if that makes sense, because they actually look at if you look at the linear trajectory of this film, it doesn't make sense that Daniel San goes from a karate tournament to then fighting in the real life, life for life and death, and then going back to a karate tournament. It probably would have made more sense if he just then had to face another, you know, Kyle Reese. Oh, sorry, not Kyle Reese, John Re- John um, Kreese's psycho mates 
psycho karate kid. Uh, then the final one gets elevated to a life of death because ultimately the guy's fought for keeps in real life. What the fuck does he care about this karate kid? You know what I mean? Besides the bonsai shop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like grow up, guys. Because <laughs> you either fight this one fight on this one day or you fight every day for the rest of your life to quote the film. That's why he cares. Okay, so if you put those three bad guys together, Ant, the bad guy in Karate Kid 1, the bad guy in Karate Kid 2, the bad guy in Karate Kid 3, who's the, who do you reckon is the best opponent for Daniel Sun? As in the ones he as in the ones he fought, right? Because the bad guy in Karate Kid Three to me is Terry Silver. Oh, uh, not okay. So much. The guys he fought. Yeah, the guys he fought. The guys he fought. Um, uh, Chosen in Part Two, he's he's the best. It, part Two had the best fight out of all the Karate Kid films. So was that your question? I wasn't really listening. Yeah, that's the question. Okay. So that's what I mean. If Chosen is the is like the is the bomb, he defeats him. Like, I don't know. It's hard to get that invested. And, and it's really weird because, um, what's his name? Daniel-san is quite, quite clearly no longer a kid. <laughs> and it's quite clearly, uh, it's a bit puffy in the face. So you can tell he, start, he starts boozing. He's living off that Karate Kid money. He's pretty happy. You know what I mean? Maybe doing some blow. I don't know. Ralph <laughs> Matcher can tell you more about that. But he's, um, you know what I mean? And... The relationship with that girl, it's weird that he goes from the love he has for what's her name? Sorry, I forget her name. In the in um Ali or uh no nah, the, the Kimiko yeah Ali? yeah Kimiko. So it's a bit weird that he goes from like it kind of makes sense that he he would lose his high school flame, but then when he has a connection with Kimiko, like how good would it have been if Karate Kid Three was him? still in Okinawa and then like some, I don't know, some dickhead from the Mithuri base, he has a son and he's been like bullied by some some jerk kids on the island and then he has to train him. Oh, that would be such a sweet film. Anyway, but yeah, that's why I prefer number two. As well, that's why I like number two is my favorite. Um, yeah, I a lot. The only thing I don't like about number two and is that, I mean, to me, it downgraded the relationship that, that, and that really epic scene in part one that Miyagi had um, with Mrs. Miyagi. Um, that's the only thing I didn't really like about that. Because at the end of the day, he left Okinawa because he's madly in love with, um, you know, this girl that we didn't even know about. Um, and that was, you know, scheduled to marry his best friend. Um, but that wasn't Mrs. Miyagi. It would have been better for me if that was Mrs. Miyagi and they did actually escape. And then, you know, then the events from part one that he talked about happened. That's the only thing I don't like about that movie, you know, to me, but it just kind of downgrades that whole scene from part one. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it kind of maybe, but it's still his wife. He still loves his wife, right? You're not going to yeah, love yeah. yeah, I know, but I, I think Miyagi is, you know, like a one woman guy, but now it's just broken. <laughs> He's a pimp, man. He's a pimp. <laughs> P I P P. Um, cool. So, um, well, I don't know. We've been going for about an hour-ish. Uh, guys, do you want to have any final thoughts on, on the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid saga? So, what from what you're saying though, would you then um, do you think it's a bit of a, a rocky situation where part one and two could almost have been one film, like one epic story? Uh, it is. It really is because you don't. Rocky too less so because it is more about just giving Rocky the win, if that makes sense. Whereas this one is because he won in the first one. It's the evolution of how he becomes a, a better person and and studies more karate and becomes a, a, a more um, just takes it to a whole new whole new level. So it's an evolution of the character as opposed to just getting like a payoff. Yeah, fair call. And to be honest, Rocky 2 is probably my least favorite out of the Rockies. Mm, no, Rocky 5 is probably my least favorite. Rocky 2 is probably second least favorite. Because that literally was just giving Rocky the win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
proposing to Adrian and the birth of his son. And anyway, yeah, giving Rocky the win. No worries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The birth of his son, who he doesn't even bother to name in the fucking films. He calls him Kid. <laughs> and then you find name. out later it's Robert. Yeah, cool. Or maybe maybe Daniel was actually the Karate Kid. He was named Kid. No, that's about... Fuck it. Move on. I was like, shit, that, that, that'd, be a, that'd be an awesome twist of unit fate for universes if Rocky <laughs> ended up by being Daniel's father. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a no joke. That? <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Let's do it. Get someone to Let's write that it. movie. We'll write it. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, I think that's all I got to say. It was a good movie, Sam. I did think it was good. Like, I don't nice. make a joke about Daniel and whether or not his his character does irritate me a little bit more than I watch it. But I think that's more so number one than number two. But I still rate them. Uh, as films, I think every kid should enjoy it. Good work, guys. Good work. Um, I mean, the only thing I would probably say is that um, I don't know how Daniel's, uh, sorry, Mr. Miyagi, uh, Pat, is it, how you say his last name, Anthony Mora? Uh, Marita. Pat Marita. Pat Marita. I don't know how he didn't win Best Actor. I thought that was a bit. Because uh, he's a comic actor and they didn't want him to begin with, so. Really? They didn't, so why, why didn't they want him? Um, they, well, because he's, he's a comic actor. So they see him as, you know, as a joke, mm. and I'm like, this, you know, this comic actor can't do this, so yeah. But as it turns out, he was pretty, pretty fucking awesome. So, well, listen, I mean, uh, you look at so, uh, this, so this came out in '84, so '85 Academy Awards, and Best Supporting Actor, Pat, our mate Pat was uh, Marita was nominated, and he coming up against, um, I don't know, some like have you, John Malkovich in Places in the Heart, never heard of it. Uh, Adolf Caesar in A Soldier's Story, never heard of it. And uh, Hanging Sake Nagore, I don't even know who that name is, The Killing Fields. Now, I've heard of The Killing Fields, but, like, quite clearly, Pat, the Karate Kid, man, he, he has to be, surely, when you look at those, um, uh, the, the people he's up against, he's, he was a shoo-in, I would have thought, for that award, but, oh, well, poor Pat was robbed. Poor Pat was robbed. All right, listeners, that's all we've got time for this week in uh, Full Metal Movie Reviews. As always, you can find us on Twitter, at FMMRPod. Um, Dave and, and uh, Anth are both on Twitter. I'll uh, make sure that they're added in my tweet when we release this episode. Um, gentlemen, thank you for uh, your time this evening.